Wake your ass up. And we're the three best friends that anybody could have. It's time. I mean, Sean, you were twerking. That's gonna happen. <laughs> Murph, don't be a dick all your life. This is uh, one, of, one of the more fun podcasts I've ever done. Hey, I'll tell you what, if you're not talking about sports in the man cave, you, no, I bet not, so you're not a man. <laughs> That's it. A uh, special edition. The coffee is very black and dark this morning for good reason. And, uh, as I just told our VIP guest, uh, there's a short list of people who I would wake up earlier on a Saturday morning and join Harge and Big Mike and Coach Mo for a podcast with. And it's this guy, Aaron Williams. And the reason why he is joining us this morning, he is on his way out of town because it's conference championship weekend in the NFL. And we're focusing more on the AFC side. Buffalo and KC, the Bills, Mafia. Jump on our Twitter site, at Stories Man Cave, to interact with us and Aaron as well. And Aaron Williams, former McNeil High School Maverick, Longhorn DBU Royalty, six years with the Bills. And now your team is one win from the Super Bowl. Tell us how you're feeling right now as you guys are in the NFL's Final Four. Well, I'm jealous, to be honest with you. So <laughs> I wish I was with those guys where they're at right now. But no, on a serious note, I'm super happy, super happy for those guys. Um, not only for the team and for the for the franchise, but really for the city. That city deserves it more than any other fan base that I know um, in this country. So uh, it's an exciting time. And it's just very unfortunate that Bill's Mafia has to witness this great uh, year from a distance um, due to the pandemic, but you know, I'm, I'm sure every Bills Mafia out there is making the best of it. So you, you bring that up about the Bills Mafia. I mean, you, you obviously played for the Buffalo Bills. You've lived in Buffalo. You've entrenched yourself within that city and that fan base. And my question to you, I saw a video the other day, Aaron, and, and I know you will give us the background of the, people jumping on the tables and <laughs> dropping the atomic elbow on people. I saw a dude throw a baby the other day on a, on a table. And I'm like, is that like the uh, uh, christening of being thrown into the, the Bills Mafia? Take us behind the scenes of the Bills Mafia. Yeah, man, it's for the culture. It's, it's, it's a way of life out there. We don't care if you're eight months old or 88 years old. You're going, <laughs> you're going to go through a table. Um, I honestly don't know where that tradition even started. Um, I'm not even sure if that happened even before I got there, but I know right when I got there is when the, when the table breaking started happening and I was, you know, I was not really weirded out because I'm kind of used to fans doing superstition stuff or stuff that they normally do before a game. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I've seen a lot of crazy things like, I've seen fans light a table on fire and have someone jump off a yellow bus onto the table and break it. I've seen guys jumping from RVs and attempting to break a table, but their back is not strong enough to break a table. Um, but yeah, with the whole baby thing, it is, it is part of a christening thing, I guess. It's kind of a funny way of, of kind of just bringing that baby into the Bills Mafia family. Um, it's a little of an inside joke, but I mean, honestly, 
if the world was open right now and on Sunday night, right before the game, if you go to a tailgate, I promise you there will probably be at least 50 tables around all the tailgating sites and at least 40, 45 of them will be broken. So <laughs> it's a weird, it's a weird thing that, you know, that Bill's Mafia does, but you know, it's something that they're proud of and something that, you know, they thought of their own. It's, it's their own thing. So you can't be too, can't be too mad about it. Aaron, you know, a lot of people really don't, especially, you know, us being in this part of the country in Texas, you know, there's rabid football fans. Um, you know, the Cowboys played Buffalo back-to-back years in the Super Bowl, but nobody truly understands what it's like in upstate New York because of the harsh winters. We were mentioning the loyal fans of the Bills Mafia. Did you, by any chance, ever meet or interact with that legendary Bills fan who's the late Bills fan, Pancho Villa? Are you, did you meet him? Yeah, I, I had the opportunity to meet him. It was actually the year after I retired. I went back and I actually did a, a, a tailgating show for a year on YouTube. And the very first game I went, I actually got to, I got a chance to meet him right before he actually got really ill and had to go to the hospital. Um, super, super amazing person. Um, just generous, nice, passionate. I mean, he loved, like, you know, we're, you know, we're from Texas, so, I, I could put it in perspective of, you know, how you see a lot of Longhorn fans on Saturdays wearing the burnt orange and, and really, just really prideful. Well, take that and times it by five. I mean, this guy wears a full wrestling, wrestling mask that has like a Bill's theme going on. He wears a poncho hat. He has a, a poncho, uh, no, he has a poncho on. He has um, his whole getup, bro, is just full of just, Bills Mafia, Bills this, um, a lot of chains, a lot of accessories. Um, and the, the people loved him because he was just so generous to people and his love for the Bills was just on a on another planet. So it was very unfortunate that we had that we lost him. I think it was last year. Yeah, I think it was I think last so. year. I think so. And um, but you know, this season I'm sure they're de- they're dedicating this season to him and his family because he's been so monumental of the whole Bills Mafia movement and just the whole mo- uh, the movement of just being a, um, a Bills fan. Because, you know, up until this day, man, it was hard to be a Bills fan, man. Like, the Bills weren't the Bills where they are today. <laughs> I tell you that. It's been a long, long, long road for these guys. And, you know, the time that they were having now, it's just it's a great time, man. I, I can't be any more excited. We're talking to Aaron Williams, former uh, Texas Longhorn, lifetime Longhorn, former Buffalo Bill, and just great all-around guy. I've known Aaron for a very, very long time, and since he was a youngster, so I've always been following. No, his you success. can tell him. You can tell him. You've been knowing <laughs> me since I was like ten. <laughs> I've known Aaron since he was ten years old. Uh, he's he's like a little brother to me. He's, I'm an uncle, whatever you want to call me, Uncle Hard. I'm, I'm tight with the family, but Aaron, I want, you know, I've, I've watched your progression. I've seen you at your highs and I've seen you at your lows and you brought it up just a little while ago. Uh, as a former player, you're proud of this organization. You're jealous because you really wanted to be a part of that and change the culture. And you brought up the, the, the tailgating part and the part that you were a part of where 
you created your own tailgating show where you were at those games. Take us behind the scenes of, I know you talked about the chairs, I know you talked about the fan base, but make us understand that culture in which you, they still embrace you and I love it. I watch your YouTube stuff, I watch your Instagram. They love you in Buffalo. What does that make you feel like when you go back and then you get a chance to hang out with those people all the time? I mean, it's a, it's amazing. It's a, it's a very, it's a, it's a huge blessing because not a lot of players get the opportunity to, to get that kind of love. Um, and knowing that, you know, I didn't have a, I guess, successful career as far as playoffs and winning championships and making pro bowls and all that. The fans understood that, my passion was on another level. The way I played the game was balls to the wall to keep it 100% with you. And, and I put it out, out on the line uh, every Sunday when I got a chance to and, and for the fans to acknowledge that and to really appreciate that to, you know, even have my back. Because they understand, you know, when I came to Buffalo, I actually hated Buffalo when I first got there. Right, I was, I was with you. I was you know with me. Yeah, yeah. Like but I was, I was, I was young. You know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I was from Texas. You know, Texas has our own rules. We're our own country. You know, so when I go to Buffalo, man, it was just a completely different uh, culture shock. But as time went on, you know, as time and, and as the people got to under, know me and kind of grow with me through my through my career, they 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 acknowledged that I grew as a person and and, and as a player. So when I, when I had that um, last injury, that career-ending injury, everybody felt bad because they understand that I work hard to not only, you know, be the best player, but represent Bills Mafia to the best of my ability. And, and they recognize that. And, and I'm just blessed that they acknowledge me to this day. And I've been out of the league for three, four, almost four years now. And any, anytime I go to Buffalo, it's just like, it's like I'm still a player. So it's, it's so much love and I will never speak bad about Buffalo ever because the people there are just so amazing. If you just give Buffalo a chance and just find ways to make it fun, um, it, it's just exhilarating. And, and I'm always going to be, there's always going to be a, a piece of Buffalo in my heart at all times. Aaron, um, don't, well, folks who's listening, don't let Aaron fool you. He had a great career. He had a great career. I know it was cut short. It's unfortunate that uh, of the injuries, uh, pretty uh, significant injuries, and it, it made you who you are now. But when you see the other side of the fan base now as the, the organization, Buffalo, do the, obviously do they ever reference – those two back-to-back years when they played the Cowboys in the Super Bowl. And is it somewhat amusing now, after all these years, it's Buffalo playing for a conference championship before the Dallas Cowboys even remotely smelled anything close to an (laughs) NFC championship. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be honest with you guys, man. It feels great. And and I don't mean any disrespect when I say this, but it just – Yes, you do. Yes, you do. (laughs) (laughs) It just feels great to – to have current players be acknowledged and, you know, I don't want to be that guy, but, you know, it just, 
There's only so much you can talk about, man, from 1990 to 1994, man. You know, and it's, it's 2021. And I have a lot of respect for those guys. I, I, you know, me and Thurman, Thurman Thomas was the first guy I met when I first got to Buffalo. He showed me the ropes and took me under his wing. Uh, Bruce Smith, Jim Kelly, I'm, I know all those guys, and don't get me wrong. But, man, it's time for little kids to not look up after Bruce Smith or after Thurman Thomas or Jim Kelly, because those guys aren't, they aren't playing no more. So it's, you know, it's great to see that guys are looking up to Stefan Diggs or Micah Hyde yep. or, or uh, Jordan Poirier, Jordan Poirier, Josh Allen, Allen you know, current guys, guys they can look up to. And it's, it's great because it's time for the bills to be more current about acknowledging the players that, that are having success now, instead of looking back and saying, Hey, you know, we were that Buffalo team that made four straight Super Bowls, but that's all we can say. Now we can say, you know, we're, we've gone through a long battle of disgusting seasons. Now it's, we're on, we're back on the right path of being back to what we used to be back in the nineties. And now it's time to give the glory to Josh Allen, pretty much everybody that's in that, that team right now, they all need to have their their roses because they definitely deserve it. It's been a it's been 25 years since they've been back to where they're at right now. So, yeah, it, Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, those guys need to be acknowledged more uh, now than they ever have been. Aaron, talk about Josh Allen a little bit. When he came in, he was uh, you know everybody kind of questioned him coming out of Wyoming. You know, was he worth the high draft pick? I think he was drafted like number seven overall or something like that. His progression, right? Do you talk to these guys you know, when you go back up and anything like that? And, and what's your take on his uh, progression from where he was to now being considered maybe like one of the top five, top, you know, six QBs in the league? Um, I actually – I don't I don't really talk to them like on a daily basis or anything like that. Um, I do go to say what's up to – when I do go out there in Buffalo and, and go to the games. Um, but his progression has been crazy. It's really hard – to, you know, as a rookie, you, you go in there and you have high expectations, and then sometimes your performance doesn't match those expectations. And only because you're a rookie, you're not understanding the game, you're not understanding the, the flow of what it means to be a professional. From his jump from one to year three has been phenomenal. I mean, he, year one, I think they went six and 10 or something like that. He did an okay job for a rookie. But year two, I mean, he brought him back to he brought Bills back to the uh, back to the playoffs in year two, and then in year three, it's the opportunity for him to be in a Super Bowl. I mean, right now in the AFC Championship, but I mean, his progression is has been significant. I mean, it it's been rising. It hasn't been uh, consistent. It has been you know fluctuating. It's literally been on the rise. So um, as long as he continues to be consistently good, he'll be great. And, and and he doesn't need to put any pressure on himself. He just needs to go out there and continue continue what's been working for him and what's been working for the team. And that's managing the game very well and then giving his receivers opportunities to go up there and make plays and get the ball. And that's what I love about Josh Allen. He takes risks. He takes chances. And sometimes it does take those chances to make it to where they are at today. So that from his year one to year three has been phenomenal. Aaron, we are going to take a quick break, and then when we head to segment two, we, we're going to do a quick man cave story with you, and maybe if you have time before you hop on a plane, give us your take on 
the Sark attack at UT. That is coming up on the other side of this break. Big ups to the ATX area and all who helped RBI reach their annual fundraising goal at the year's end of 2020. Hey, this is Sean Clench, the host of Stories Inside the Man Cave, and I'm also a mentor for RBI. It's an organization entering its second decade and continues to make a significant difference in the lives of 1,295 inner city kids through baseball, softball, and a mentorship program. Over $85,000 was raised in the year-end fundraising drive. And coming up on January 28th, our annual Now at Bat Dinner and Silent Auction will take place at the beautiful Dell Diamond in Round Rock. ESPN baseball reporter Pedro Gomez will emcee the event, and Sam Acho will be the keynote speaker. To reserve your table or purchase a ticket, visit rbiaustin.org. It's the Bills Mafia podcast, unofficially, at least for today, for episode 55. A.A. Ron Williams, <laughs> former Longhorn, hey, hey, <laughs> DBU for life, and Buffalo Bill for life, retired from the NFL. He's joining us, and before he hops on a plane and to cheer on his Bills as they are one win from the Super Bowl, Big Mike and Harbaugh Harge. How about you guys direct him toward maybe some questions about the Longhorns and Sarkeesian and his new staff? Mike, go ahead. You go first. Man, I guess my question to you, Aaron, is like, you know, you you were a star at, at UT. So, like, one, seeing, like, the Herman era or going from Mac to Her or Strong to Herman to now Sark, well, you know, let's stick with the Herman versus Sark comparison. Like, has he has he reached out to you? Have have you have you seen like, I don't know. Do you see? Do you feel like there's a different vibe with this coaching staff versus like the coaching staff maybe Herman brought in? Because when when the fans look at it, it's more of man, this feels like a champion. Not just like great players that can go out and win a Big Twelve championship and maybe get in the college playoff. It feels like the coaching staff can get them there too. Yeah, um, I I've reached out to Coach Arkeesian, and awesome. I just let him know that you know he has my support, and if there's anything that he needs from me as far as help with the program or with the players that I'm only one phone call away and I'm really right down the street. So um, I definitely reached out just to welcome him to Austin. Um, I haven't really heard from him, which is, you know, he's busy, man. He, when you're a head coach at the University of Texas, you have a lot of media stuff to do and a lot of catching up to do before the season starts. So he's definitely pretty busy. Now, as far as from him, the difference between the coach, uh, coach Herman era and Sarkeesian era, as far as like atmosphere wise, there's definitely, I mean, I haven't been in the building yet, but just from social media and just keeping up with it, there's definitely been a little uproar and a, a, a bit of a sigh of relief uh, knowing the fact that we have Coach Sarkeesian. And the reason why I say that is because, and nothing against Coach Herman, but Coach Sarkeesian is coming from a championship team. He's been on plenty of championship teams and he knows what it takes to be back in the championship. And it, it, and it hits me personally um, this year because my boy Blake Gideon is also coming back yeah. home in Austin. Uh, awesome. Played with me back at UT. 
And but I'm going to be honest with you guys. The reason why there was a Shockey Brown, the reason why there was a Curtis Brown and an Earl Thomas, and yes, I did say the great Earl Thomas. There wouldn't be Earl Thomas without Blake Gideon. Blake Gideon was a brain of our secondary back in 2008 to 2010 when I was there. And just his knowledge of the game and his his drive for wanting kids just to be better, not only on the field, but off the field. Man, it's just a, it's a different vibe, man. It's, it's, it's like the vibe of the Mac Brown era. You know, you understand that you came in, there's a, a high expectation coming into University of Texas and we're going to fulfill those. And that's the type of energy that we're, that I'm the type of energy that I'm getting uh, from that whole Sarkeesian hire. And then I think Texas football Instagram definitely um, uploaded their, the whole coaching staff. And you, you saw Bo Davis, one of the legendary defensive linemen coaches out there. And just a, le- a lot of legendary uh, coaches uh, on that coaching staff. So I'm definitely super excited to have them uh, be a part of the Longhorn family. Um, there's a lot of work to do. Um, you know, just like each hire with Coach Strong and Coach Herman, we thought, you know, those guys were it. And unfortunately, they weren't. So now only time can tell. Um, we're going to allow these guys to put the time in. Put the time in and put the work in and, you know, we'll definitely start seeing when spring ball starts. You know, I'm I'm glad you touched on that about the Blake Gideon piece. Obviously we're, we're, we're all big fans of Blake and know what he meant to this university. I know he's a real close, close personal friend. You were at his wedding. I mean, it's just so much, so much love there. And one of the things that really stands out to me is as a, as a playmaker that you were, Aaron, the frustration that I've always had over the last few years about this DBU is there wasn't a lot of plays on the ball. They were playing the receiver and not trying to make the play on the ball. Is that something I know you have your ball Hawk Academy and you're trying to teach kids how to do all that stuff, but what is it that they need to do? To, to get DBU back to being DBU. I know it's, I, I know Coach Aquino was a major part of that. I, I get that. But it was also guys like yourself, guys that you mentioned, Shockey, uh, Rob Babers before, Ma Brooks. Mm-hmm. I mean, guys that laid the, the foundation for you guys, Vasher. What, what do they need to do to get that Put popping? Jammer. Yeah. yeah. Um, honestly, it, if it, it, DBU, it wouldn't be DBU without Coach Aquina, Dwayne Aquina. And I think his philosophy and his teachings and his energy and the way he carried himself and how he had a lot of expectations for his players, just as DB, I mean, his players all around, but to his DB core, he had high expectations on how he wanted his players to play. So the energy he brought, the the knowledge of the game that he brought is what and 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 what he he made us compete man i i hear a lot of a lot of stories of how kids are entering the, the yeah. transfer portal mm-hmm. and man there was no such thing of of that back in my day it was you're going to come to the best you're going to compete against the best and if you're not going to play it's because the guy in front of you is just better than you and then when he leaves, it's your time. It, that's just the way it works. And you, you compete, you try to get the, the day one job. With Blake being in a part of that DBU era, a part of understanding how Coach Keena taught us and how the energy and how to practice and how to, how to prepare for each and every week, 
I feel like Blake's going to have bring that transition in back into the DB room. And I feel like that is what, what's been missing. There was a thing that we had on the, in the wall at, at uh, when I was at Texas in our DB room, it was like the, the wall of fame. It was the money wall. We called it the money wall. Basically. I saw that. I saw that wall. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was basically guys that played in that, you know, you sat in the meeting seats, the same seats that we sat in the guys that on the, that were on the money wall, the money wall basically is if, if you were a first rounder or you got your big second contract, your 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 whole face, name, everything was going to be in that wall. <laughs> when I first got to UT and I looked at that wall, I was like, that's my goal. I'm going to make it on that wall. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get on that wall because that is what elite status looks like. Right. They took that money wall off as soon as I think Coach Strong left. So I think Herman took it down or I think – one of those two coaches took it down. I just felt like that piece of motivation, motivation, yeah, was taken away from players. Mm. So it was like, yeah, it, it now became, yeah, I'm a UTDB and I'm DBU just because I'm wearing yeah. the Texas letters. Before right. it was, you're still Aaron Williams. You ain't nobody yet. You're a rookie. You're you're a freshman. Even if you're a yeah. sophomore, you're a sophomore. Even if you were a junior. On a second finalist to be a Thorpe Ward winner, you're still who are you? You haven't made nothing, right? Just because yeah. you made it, in, you see those guys on the wall. Those are first rounders. Those are guys who made the second contract. Those are guys who, who are showing you what it takes to be at that level. So, yeah, those type of talks, I felt like, were kind of gone and kind of lost, and it and it lost the motivation for those kids to want to be and get there. Not to say those kids don't want to be NFL stars because everybody wants to be an NFL star. But what it takes to get to that level, I felt like it was kind of lost. And for, for Blake to come in, he's going to bring that back. I, and, and, I mean, I Put think the wall back up, damn it. Put, Put the wall back, back up, man. It's important. It's tradition. It is, it's tradition. I need it that just, wall. <laughs> it, 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 it lets you look at it, man. It just, like, it makes you be like, wow, that could be me. As long as I do this, 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 and that, all right, cool, I'm in. I'll, all I have to do is buy in. If you buy in. You can be on that wall, man. It's 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 really cool to be on that wall. Love that. You think Gideon brings back uh, the DBU title? You think he takes it back from Ohio State? Man, right I, now it's Ohio you know, State. Everybody's. I have high expectations for Blake, and he ha- he has high expectations for himself. I'm sure he has his own like philosophy of what you know DBU is for him and his coaching style. Um, right. I'm sure he's going to bring that energy back. Um, as far as like what, as far as what is he going to bring? I don't know. It's been a while since, you know, Blake's been jumping around Ole Miss, Houston, all this. So he's, he has a lot of influence, uh, influence and, uh, and a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of stuff to gather from all those years he's been coaching. So mm-hmm. it, it's, it's going to be surprising to see. I can't wait to see what, 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 what he brings to the table. And, uh, yeah, man, it's just going to be an exciting year. So before, before Sean asked you for – hang on. Before Sean asked you for his uh, man's, man's, uh, stories in the man cave story, then you hop on a plane, how does everybody get in touch with you about the Ballhawk Academy if they, if they need – like, what's the info on that? Um, just hit me up on my Twitter, at uh, AJWilliams23. Um, oh, also it's, uh, the IG, the, the Ballhawk uh, – IG is uh, Ballhawk, Ballhawk Academy, Texas, uh, on, on Instagram. So – uh, if you ever just want to uh, be trained or get better as a as a player on and off the field, um, I'm willing to to get you there. 
Hey, Aaron, I don't, it's 928. I don't know if you're going to have time to do a quick man cave story. No, we can do a quick one. We can do a quick one. Okay. So Aaron, what we do, we've had some legendary, if you will, man cave stories from our guest. And I, it could be from your family with your amazing family, uh, your father, who is extremely visible, great guy, always good conversation or something from the locker room at Texas or with Buffalo, or maybe with hardball hards during your training sessions with <laughs> that guy. <laughs> oh man. Some, oh man. Uh, some stories. I got man. one for you, Aaron. Go ahead. Go ahead. So, so Aaron was, Aaron was a cocky kid in baseball. I mean, he, he thought he was going to be, no. he was going to be the lick. And I was like, I would work with him, work with him. He gets so frustrated with me because, like I said, I'm Uncle Mike. I'm big bro. I'm, I'm on him. I, I, I trained the entire family hitting in baseball and softball with his, his beautiful sister. And one time, Greg Golson was working out with us, and Greg was getting ready to be a high draft pick. And Aaron was like, who is that? Who is that? And I said, man, I brought him out here because I wanted to show you what it looks like to be a professional baseball player. This this, this the work that you got to put in. And I said, Aaron, he can fly. He can fly. And Aaron was like, Psh, Psh. I think, Aaron, you were, I think you were 14 years old. Yeah, like, I said, Psh, I could fly. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, I, I, I said, okay. Hey, y'all go out to center field. I want you to watch Greg throw, and then I want y'all to race. Greg took off. And, I mean, Greg was – he's like Aaron. He's like Aaron. He was a freak athlete. Like, he, he was – his body was unbelievable at an early age, and just – he had it going on, and he was a true, true baseball player. Aaron said, hey, coach, I think I got some work to do. <laughs> <laughs> I said, you put the time in, baby. You got it. You go get it. He he was right because when I was working with with Mike, man, I I honestly thought, like, I knew I wasn't – I knew football was my my thing. Mm -hmm. When I was working with Mike, like, in the batting cages, man, my swing was just getting to the point where I was real smooth and just understood, like, the technique of swinging. So I was was yakking it. Just just the way the, the ball hit the bat, it was just – it sounded so beautiful. And I thought I was on my high horse. And then here comes Greg coming. <laughs> he comes, you know, Greg was at the time, he was like this high recruit right before he was going to go into the New York. No, he, it was with he, the Phillies. It was with the, the Phillies at the time. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. he walked in high shoulder, chest all high, head up. And was like, I was like, dang, who is this guy walking in here like this? <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, that's me. Like, that's who I am. Like, nobody else does that. So then. You know, I started yakking in front of Mike, trying to get his attention. Like, there's another black kid in baseball that can do it just as better as you can. So then, you know, when he told me to go watch Greg, I was like, all right, I'm going to go check him out. And then when I watched him, I was like, oh, my goodness. The way he threw the ball from center to home, it, it was, I don't know, it was on another level. It was something that I would, I would never thought I would ever see in Texas or in baseball. Matter of fact, so seeing that was definitely motivation for me to be better in baseball or any sport, to be honest with you. And yeah. also just kind of more like focus on football. 
Yeah, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Yeah, hey, you chose yeah. the right path. You chose one hundred percent. So, who's the better baseball player, you or your little brother? Oh, my little brother is definitely better than me. That my Daniel can Daniel knew how to smack the ball, man, and his presence on the field, on the baseball, on the diamond, I call it, is is was a lot more. Uh, he was more technical about about his game. I was more. Th- blessing hoping to use my my athletic ability to get me by instead of actually the work the technique and the throwing motion and all that so i'll give it to him but don't tell him i said that because if he hears <laughs> i said that he will never let your little brother know anything right anything. don't ever let him know anything Man, hey aaron awesome so to you, aaron. yeah absolutely how we say goodbye you just follow up hard we just have this little routine so we're going to rush through this we are so appreciative that you took time before you hopped on a plane, Aaron. Yeah, we no, really thank are. you guys for having yeah. me, honestly. It's always fun to be here because uh, I think you guys you guys ask important questions that I'm sure a lot of people want to know. Uh, I'm sure, like, having your guests, you know, I'm sure they know the typical stuff, but they don't really get to ask the hard questions that, that you guys do, and they can finally get to hear those, some of those answers. So it's really cool to be on here. No, we, we really appreciate, appreciate that, it, man. That's what yeah. uh, these kind of stories are inspiring, and a lot of people follow you and care about you and your family as well. For Big Mike, Hardball Harge, and Coach Mo, and, of course, the VIP today with the Bills Mafia, Aaron Williams, we out. Call it a play when you see him in the street. <laughs> Call it a boy. Call it a boy. <laughs> we good, player.